Welcome to Merlin I Am. This is the ninth in the series. Welcome to Louisville, Colorado at the Crimson Circle Connection Center. We're here for you, to be here with you. Jeff is getting ready for Adamus, and we're just about to begin. So as always, let's start with the deep and conscious breath. Adamus frequently reminds us to take that good, deep breath of life. It's not about how fast. It's about just really allowing the energies to flow. Be with that good, deep breath. Be with it. Let all the distractions, just breathe them out, breathe them away. You are here. Breathe the I am here. I exist. Take that good deep breath again, feeling into the heart of you with all that you are. Take the good deep breath. Continue to breathe as we get ready for Adamus for each of us. Stay with the good deep breath, the conscious breath. a space that exists with us and around us where angels sing on rays of light on rays of light and love pours forth love pours forth love pours forth from the heart of the universe Love pours forth, 
I am that I am, Adamus of Sovereign Domain. Welcome to the Shoud. Welcome to Merlin. I am Shoud 9, live here from the Crimson Circle Connection Center in Colorado. Let's take a deep breath together as we begin our session today. We have a lot to cover, a lot to do in this session. so. Let's take a good deep grounding breath. Good deep breath as we begin this gathering. Ah, feels good to be back on Earth, back in the physical realms with each and every one of you, back in the body of Kaldra. Um, yes, uh, but before we go any further, there are first things first. As a visiting Grand Ascended Master, uh, where is my coffee? Hmm? We would love to have a cup of coffee. Ah, and is on cue. Thank you, dear you Carrie. I'll stay with the coffee for right now, but keep them up here, Caldra, or Linda might want to have them. Thank you. Ah, and would you mind saying hello to everybody out there in Chamberland? But not, but not for me. Yes. You can kiss me. No. Mm -hmm. ah. Thank you. We well, always appreciate Carrie Gallant and the great service that she provides to others. Truly a grand job she does. <laughs> and a big kiss for it, dear Linda. Oh, mm -hmm. lucky me. I understand that um, some of these social measures that you've had to tolerate in the past year and a half are starting to come to an end. So such a delight to be able to hug and kiss and for some of you other things now that you can do. We have a lot to cover today. The important part is it's going to be happening on many different levels. And get used to it. Life on different levels. Uh, sometimes I know it's disconcerting. Sometimes I know you want to just 
be on that one little comfortable level that you like to stay at, but that's not where we're going with Chambra, with you. We're going to be operating on many different levels. There's going to be the spoken word today, of course. We kind of have to have that, at least for the time being. But there's going to be more than ever more energetic communications in what we're doing today. You'll hear the words, but I've really tuned Kaldra up to, to do more uh, kind of energy communications. That's where we're going. We're going to be going there in Kihak. We're going to be talking about it in our live gatherings, in our, what do you call them, cloud classes and everything else. Get used to the communications on so many levels. To be able to, to communicate, to radiate on multiple levels, not just like that on one level, but multiple levels. And then to receive on multiple levels and to understand, to have that innate understanding where you don't have to use words or language, you don't have to have somebody um, talking in your ear or reading it, you just are starting to get it. So for today, take a deep breath now and go multi-level, multi-dimensional, multi-communications. You see, if you go back into the, the shouts, into the things we've done in the past, there are words, of course. But you go back in, there's also embedded energies. Uh, they're alive. They're, they're not just old dead energies that are hanging around. They're living energies in every shout we've ever done, in every, in every uh, what you call products, and I don't like the word product so much, uh, in every of the things I've done with you. Those energies live and they grow. Well, they're not static. It's not like just we infuse uh, 52 degrees of energy into something. No, they continue to grow, and that's the beauty of them. And that's part of the whole communication package that we're talking about. So take a deep breath and feel into all the different levels, and trust yourself. That's so important. Trust yourself. There are going to be seven chapters in today's discussion, seven different uh, layers to it. Yes. Uh, wow. Well, why? Did you want more? Yeah. <laughs> or less? No, it's a lot. It sounds like a lot. No, it's, a, it's actually very simple. You can operate. You're dreaming on at least a dozen different levels right now, even okay. though you think you're awake, but you're really dreaming on all these levels. You're just not conscious of it right now. No, seven is nothing. I thought I'd simplify. I started out when I was taking notes of the Ascended Masters Club, getting ready to come in today. I had about 42 different levels, and I thought I'd better distill it down uh, for simplicity's sake. Do you mind if I have a bite here while we're? While we're would you like some first? Oh, thank no. you. Mm. Mm. Human food. Interesting, <clears throat> but very real compared to what we get served at the Ascended Masters Club. It's very good, but. What about all the oatmeal and honey thing? Is that that was supposed to be your big idea of excitement? I happen to like that in my last lifetime. I found it very satisfying. And you don't my, think this would better? It, it contains um, some interesting flavors, but nothing like my my oatmeal and honey and nuts. Yeah, rolled oats actually, not just oatmeal, but rolled oats. At the Ascended Masters Club, it's it's probably the most popular item on the menu. Every, yeah. As Adamas eats, uh, so Apparently you're the only else, one that gets to direct so everybody, the menu. Everybody else eats while I own the kitchen, uh, so that's what we eat. Seven different levels today. Okay. Let's start out with our first level, hmm. 
In our gathering last month, we talked about doubt. Doubt. Mm. Well, that's something that kind of is ingrained in human nature. Doubt. It comes from the mind. Mm. Doubt is the thing you use to regulate and manage yourself. That's kind of a weird way of doing it. But doubting yourself, it, it's the mind sending these signals that you might make a mistake. And the mind sending a signal that don't do the same thing before because the results were bad. But you know, the mind is very linear, and the mind deals with a lot of data. So it's sending these signals, it's coming from the survival part, uh, the survival aspect of the brain, doubting yourself. Uh, and, and then it's reinforced by other people, which are really yourself, but it's reinforced. And you have the voices of doubt in your mind, whether it's a parent, whether it's you, an aspect of you uh, from the past that's experienced something diff difficult. Some of you have um, these uh, psychiatrist or psychologist voices in your head, even if you've never gone to one before. But you act out this psychologist in your brain that's your own personal psychologist, always doubting, always asking, uh, is that really what you want to do? Is that really how you feel? Just probing and prodding and, and getting you to doubt yourself. Doubt uh, is, you don't have the luxury. Would you write this down, uh, Linda, on your fancy magic writing tablet? Okay. That's truly amazing. Sir? So. Uh, there's, you no longer have the luxury of doubt. So is doubt number one or just doubt? You no longer have the luxury oh. of doubt, yes. And you don't. It's, it's a game. Let's take it for what it is. It's a game that's played within the mind and acted out in your everyday life. You no longer have the luxury of doubt. You don't. It's a game that absolutely gets you nowhere. Uh, many of you are familiar with your board games. Uh, oftentimes you roll the dice and you move around the board trying to uh, excel, beat other people. If doubt was a board game, uh, you would never get anywhere. You'd just spin in circles. You'd, you'd never advance. You'd never make progress. As a matter of fact, you'd probably go backwards in the, in the life game of doubt. Every roll of the dice would be a bad roll. Every, oh, that's beautiful, Linda. Wow. I haven't done it for a long time. Yeah. I'm a little out of practice. Uh, with what? Oh, writing, writing. writing. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So, if if doubt was a board game and you roll the dice, every roll would be a bad one. Every card you picked from the stack when it came time to pick a card would be a bad one. Doubt is not going to get you anywhere. What's the benefit of doubt? Why, why even have it? Well, like I said, it, it causes you to regulate yourself. When you doubt yourself, then you're creating kind of boundaries. You're, you're defining the walls. You're making your own box. You don't have that luxury anymore. You don't. You don't have the luxury in where we're going and what you're doing here on the planet to doubt yourself. And at one hand, it can seem exhilarating. On the other hand, quite frightening. Imagine for a moment, if you would, your life without doubt. Write that on the board, if you would. Your life without doubt. Feel into that for a moment. 
suddenly you become aware of how often you doubt yourself. Throughout your day, a constant series of doubt communications coming up and holds you back. It keeps you small. It keeps you very flat and linear and local. You do not have the luxury of Mm. doubt anymore in your life. It's a bad game. And it's all it is. Nobody's inflicting it on you. There's not some kind of central command system for humanity that's making you doubt yourself. You played into the game, and now it's time to get out. Doubt. I would like you to write these also, just the individual words, uh, or hey, you can put it in a sentence. Doubt is. Doubt is a rapist. <gasps> but I'm not doubting myself. I know the words that I use. Doubt is a thief. On the same page. Anything you'd like, dear. It's your device. Mm. Doubt is a thief. A thief? I'm sure I have to eat here. It was a long journey. Mm. Coming from the Ascended Masters Club, it's a long way away. Then I get a little hungry. Uh, doubt is a thief, and doubt is a murderer. Wow. Of energy, of your energy. Doubt is a rapist. It's a thief. It's a murderer of your energy. That's exactly what it does. And I'm glad to use, I'm happy to use very bold words like that, because that's exactly what it does. Let's stop dancing around it. It's a rapist. It, it rapes your energy. It takes it away. It makes you doubt yourself. It's a thief. It steals from you. It steals not only life force from your body and your mind, it, it steals your real identity. It's a murderer. It kills. The, the, the real I am that you are. It, it murders the Merlin, the magician that you are. You don't have the luxury anymore to play that game. It's done. Every time you feel doubt, go beyond it. Every time you sense that doubt coming up, go beyond. We'll, we'll have a word here in a moment. What's the opposite of doubt? We'll, we'll come to that in a moment. Bring that word in and go beyond it. Where we're going, there is absolutely no room for doubt. And if you hold on to some of it – and by the way, before I go there, the dragon uh, is helping you to find that doubt. That's why you've been going through some of the things lately. It feels like doubt is being dredged up from the murky cesspool within you, and that's exactly what happens. The dragon is finding that, because where we're going, there is no room for doubt. We're going beyond, you could say. We're going into the other realms. We're going into true living as a master on this planet. You can't do it with doubt. So the dragon is finding it and bringing it up. Where we're going, there's no room for doubt. It'll tear you up. It'll really tear you up. Um, Imagine an astronaut getting launched into outer space and carrying too much weight in the space capsule. They kind of overloaded it. The astronaut at the last minute when nobody was looking put a whole bunch of extra supplies and uh, blankets and food and tools and survival kits and everything else in the space capsule. 
uh, because he was he was frightened. He thought he might need them, but now he's in outer space, and his capsule was designed for a certain amount of weight, but it's carrying all this extra baggage. What's going to happen? It's going to tear up this capsule. It either not get to where it's going, or it's going to be so off course, or it'll simply rip it apart, tear it up. That's what doubt is like. It's extra baggage. Why you would even bring it on board, I don't quite know, other than you've just gotten used to doubt. It's like an old, bad friend that's always there, but you rely on it. When you're in a situation where you have to make a decision, you have to decide uh, to do one of three or four things, you bring in the doubt to help with the decision-making. Can you imagine what a crappy decision you're going to make based on doubt? Let's say there's an opportunity, uh, something new, exciting, different, adventuresome, and now it's time to make the decision, but doubt comes in. Say, so, well, I don't know if I can really do that, or uh, maybe I'm just making this up. Oh. You know, there's a few things I just don't like with Chambra. Other than that, you can do anything you want, but I don't like when you say the I don't know phrase. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that I don't know, I'm saying that you say okay. I don't know. And also, just when you doubt, when you doubt yourself, there's no room uh, anymore for that where we're going. It'll tear you up. We're going out. We're going beyond. We're going into a whole new level of consciousness and communications. And if doubt is your companion, you'll never get off the ground. Hmm. And even if you do manage to get off the ground, it won't be pleasant. So. Let's take a moment here together with Shambra from all around the world. Take a deep breath and let's go beyond doubt. I, what are you doubting anyway? The only thing to doubt is your humanness. Mm. The only thing to doubt is, is that doubt in your humanness that tells you not to soar. It's kept you here. Uh, now, uh, we could have a long, long, long discussion about doubt, but basically, you don't want to appear different. You don't want to appear to make uh, mistakes or to be a failure in other people's eyes. You know, it's actually not so bad in your own eyes, in your own self-perception, to make a mistake. You can get over it. You can tell yourself, "Well, it was a mistake, and things didn't work out like I thought." But it really wasn't a mistake because I'm going to go with it and watch how the energy kind of continues to circle, to cycle back. And it really wasn't a mistake. It was just part of a whole process of, uh, of experiencing life, not a mistake at all. If you allow the energies to swirl and to continue opening and opening, mm -hmm. you realize your mistake wasn't a mistake at all. So what you really worry about, what you really think about is other people. Was it a mistake? Are they going to look at you and say, boy, that was dumb. That was really stupid. Why did you make such a mistake? And, and even if they don't say it to your face, which generally they don't, but they're thinking of it, and they, they're talking about it with other people. Did you see what Linda I'm sorry, you have to represent the whole audience today. Oh, thank you. Did you see what Linda did? Do you see that dumb mistake she made? <gasps> that's, the one that, <laughs> that's the one that really gets you. I mean, you're, with your own self, you can kind of deal with making some mistakes, doing some dumb things, because you come to realize, as we really get into the nature of time, you come to realize it actually wasn't a mistake. Mm. 
there's a stepping stone. At the moment when you stepped on that stone, maybe it didn't feel so good, but yet on the other hand, it was an important part of the whole uh, swirling of energies that are ultimately serving you. But then the human thinks, yeah, but what does everybody else think? That's the tough one. That's the tough one. Again, we'll come to that in a few minutes, what to do when you're in that situation of doubt. But imagine a doubtless life. You know, We've talked about the powerless life. Imagine now the doubtless life. Let's take a good deep breath with that. Number two, time. Time is a fascinating subject. Time is something that even the physicists don't agree on. Time is not a constant time. I mean, it is when it's on your hand, you think. But from a scientific or a a physics standpoint, it is not defined. It is not actually real. It's a. It's basically a man-made, created uh, device. It's a wonderful device. It's a fun device until you get stuck in it. Then it becomes a nuisance. It becomes boring. It becomes death itself. Death itself, because most humans are on a linear time that leads from the trauma of birth into the agony of death. And that's all they're doing is on a timeline, waiting for death. That's sad. That's very, very sad, don't you think? Yes. Definitely. So sad that, uh, that it's affected consciousness on the planet. Well, it's one thing we're going beyond. Uh, we're going we're to actually come to an understanding of time that really allows you to be in time and get out of time at the same time. Time will become a toy instead of a burden. It'll be a tool. It'll be something that you can play with. Now, so many of you recently, I mean, recently, Calderoy's asked, what's recent? For me, it's a little different. The last hundred years, that's recent. But in your human recent time, in the last few months, and particularly in the last couple of weeks, uh, you felt time distortion. It's confusing. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit fun in a way, but it's confusing. And it's frustrating if you try to keep routines throughout your day. You've been feeling time distortion, and that's a good thing, because here's what's happening. It's not, we talked about this a little last month, but it's not just you on this journey right now. I mean, not just the, the you that you see in the mirror every day. You have a lot of company right now. You have a lot of associates, colleagues, that are part of this journey right now. They're your past and your future. You're carrying, you could say, the, the weight of them, but also the joy of them. You're carrying the responsibility of them all with you right now. Here's kind of what's happening. Linda, I'm going to ask you to draw a chart uh, on, use a full sheet of uh, your paper here. Okay. And Draw kind of a, a funnel shape, okay. uh, funneling down, and draw it kind of nicely, artistically. Well, I'm, and I'm not that good with the iPad. At the bottom of the funnel, yes. uh, actually, label this funnel the now moment. Okay. And at the bottom, just now is good. At the bottom of the funnel, the uh, the human. 
Okay. You could draw a little stick figure. That's what you're going to do. Or a doughboy or whatever you want. But uh, here's, here's the human in the now. And now draw an arrow, one coming from uh, 10 o'clock, one coming from 2 o'clock, into the, down into the funnel. Okay. Good. And then on the one on the left, the word past, okay. and on the one on the word, uh, right, the word future. And this is exactly what's happening right now in your time expansion. What's happening, and not for the planet, this is Shambra. What's happening right now is that you got to use the correct hand here. Is the past, your past lifetimes, even this lifetime, the past is opening up. It's no longer on a linear straight line, but it's opening up and it's coming down into your now. Your future, <laughs> your future potentials, a little tough to do, you know. Yeah. Your future potentials. Are no longer off in the future. Your future potentials are opening up as we become timeless, conscious beings. The future is opening up, and it's it's coming down into the funnel as well. And that's why you've been feeling uh, time distortion lately. And sometimes it's a grounding distortion. You're used to being grounded in a certain way, and now you're feeling this kind of a odd. Uh, distortion of all this, because you're opening up. You're opening up to, to the past, the future. They're coming into the now. Not only that, but if we go back to your graphic, and on, on the top, right up here, okay. soul. And an arrow coming straight down into the now. So the soul, and that's all funneling, flowing down as you allow. This is kind of a, this is the, the physics of allowing. This is what happens. Your past frees up from, from its time lock. The future, which is all your potentials, free up from their time lock. And then the soul, the master, all of your potentials, all of your energy, it also is able to come flow down in as you allow. This is kind of allowing 101 diagram. This is what happens. And it all lands on you. That human, you know, at the bottom of the funnel, it all lands on you. Why? Because you asked for it. Because you want it. Because you said, this is the lifetime. We're going to wrap all this up. We're going to stay here as an embodied master. We're going to be conscious of the soul. And in doing so, it also, it also kind of unlocks what you would call the history of the past. Which I'll talk about in just a moment, but it unlocks history itself. Nothing that's ever happened is locked in stone or concrete. For most people, uh, it, it is. They, 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 their perception is that it is, and they act accordingly. It's like the thing with King Arthur pulling the sword from the stone. Many tried before King Arthur, but failed. And along he came and simply pulled that sword out of the stone meaning that he unlocked time for himself, so that your past, with all the things that you think you've done wrong, all the mistakes that you you've, think you've made, all the doubt that you've had, suddenly you're unlocking it from time itself. This is huge. I mean, this is uber-huge. 
ultra-huge, quantum-huge. And at the same time, simultaneously, you're unlocking the future, which you've always held into the future as somewhere else, something else. And now you're making that available. By the way, all this is happening, you could say, naturally. I don't have to study it. Now I'm, I'm telling you after the fact, or maybe during the fact of what's happening. This isn't anything we're going to have to try to aspire to do. This isn't like me laying out what comes next. This is where you're at right now. This is what's been happening in your life. I'm just now trying to define it for you through my words, but more importantly through the communications of energies to you. So the fact is that time is changing its flow, no longer just linear. It's still linear if and when you choose, but now it's unlocking from the past and the future, and then flowing in at the same time with the awareness of your soul all into you at this, uh, <laughs> the receiver at the bottom of this funnel into the now moment. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Take a moment and just allow it and feel it. Take a moment and just feel how this is all flowing and funneling into you right now. Your unlocked past and your unlocked future and your soul. I talk about soul. I define soul in Master's Life 14, now available. At your favorite uh, Crimson Circle store. Little promotion on the side there, dear Linda. It's pretty good information. It is good. It is awesome information, and you know why? Because it's your information. Of course, I, I communicated, I verbalized it, but it's your information. It's what you're going through. We wouldn't be doing any of this if you weren't going through it. And then working together in what we call the shout, kind of the group uh, voice, the group communication for all, um, it's turned into things like Master's Life. But it's because of where you're at. Next chapter, number three. The real, the real history, your real history, is in your heart. It's not in, not in your mind. It's not data. The real, the real history is absolutely not data. Now, you look at history, and you look, let's say history books, history of the planet, history of your country. Is number three history? Um, yeah, well, instead of calling it history, the um, history is, is in the heart. Yeah, history is in the heart. You look at a history book, and it's got a lot of facts and a lot of data points. It's got names, dates, it's got uh, a lot of facts and figures. And that's what people believe history is. To a degree, yes, but it's only one aspect, one layer out of dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of layers what, of what the real overall history is. It's a difficult concept to grasp at first, and that's where I ask you to just feel into it. Some of you are really starting to get it. The past is not what you think and doubt that it was. And when I say doubt, I mean your doubts from the past. It's not at all. 
what you have generally is a, is a series of data points uh, that you think are what actually make up the past. And you think somehow this is stored in your mind. You've got all this history. These, uh, you've got little movies, you've got pictures, you've got remembrances, you have emotions. They are not stored here in the mind. There's, yeah, there's nothing like that in there. Where, where would they be? Huh? In some of the fluids in, in your mind, in some of the, the amino acids, and some of the uh, other things that are in your brain? No, they're not. Nothing is stored there. All memories are kind of in a, in a cloud. Uh, and, and yes, there's a very clear analogy between your computing systems that deal with data and how now you're putting them in the cloud. You know, they're not residing generally right in your computer because it's all emulating, it's all kind of copying the, the whole human process. So you've got all these data points and memories, they're stored. They're, they're contained like in a cloud, but the cloud isn't anywhere. I mean, you couldn't go out and try to find it in the heavens, uh, just like there's no Akashic record of, of the planet or the universe. It just is. It's there. Now, that being said, there are, <laughs> let's say, your entire history, Everything you've ever done and experienced, everything you know, every thought that you've ever had, isn't stored in a place, but it's there. Where is it? It's just there. I mean, it's like in the thin air, and it's nowhere to be found. That's kind of strange. However, there are electromagnetic qualities to all of this that can be detected. And when they are detected, it's, it's yeah, a little bit of research is going on right now, but not much. But you'll see in, in about three or four years, you'll be able to start detecting uh, what I would call kind of uh, uh, you know, thought bays or memory uh, bays uh, near or around a person. Now, they're not really there, other than it's kind of where you and how you pull them in. It's kind of like part of that funnel coming in. And, and they have electromagnetic qualities to them. So they're going to come to the conclusion that uh, you've got this kind of an aura field around you, for lack of better words, and that's where all of your thoughts and memories are stored. That's actually not true, but that's where they become detectable. Back to the point. The real history of who you are is in your heart. And I don't mean this heart right here. You know what I mean by the heart. It's in your feelings. It is in your knowingness. It is in your, in your nost. And where is that? Well, it's not in your head, and it's not in the physical heart. It's just here. It's part of, of all that you are, and it doesn't need to exist in a place nor a time, nor in matter at all. It doesn't need to. Uh, from the human mind would like to think it exists somewhere. It has to have a defined space and be in a defined time. But, but it's not. It doesn't need that. And that's the beauty. That's the freedom. It doesn't have to have that definition. 
your real history is in your heart. Again, using the word heart to mean your knowingness, your passion, your true self, whatever you want to call it, your, your soul. That's where it is. It's not in the remembrance of things that happened. That is so distorted. And I can't wait for these more and more breakthroughs from, from Shambra, from you, as you come to realize that it's one of those, what do you call it, OMG moments when you realize, I was only seeing a distorted version of my past. Therefore, I created doubts that limited even more of my life, that put me into more of a physical uh, state of imprisonment. And now I'm breaking out. Now I'm setting myself free. Your real history is in your heart. It's in your knowingness. When you go beyond doubt and say, I know that I know, and you stop doubting what you're getting, you stop doubting the, the, the input, when you start trusting in the communications uh, within yourself, what's being communicated from 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 your past and your future. You see, there's still not that trust in the communication. You still expect words, and then even when words come, you doubt them. And so what eventually happens is you just walk in ignorance that all this is happening, that all the communications are already there. You've already broken through time. You've already broken through the data-based history of yourself. But the doubt keeps you from being able to perceive it. The doubt has you pretend it's not there. That is just, uh, you don't even hear the noise. Once in a while, yeah, once in a while, when you're really desperate in particular, you, you can sense it and feel it. But then when you come back to your routine, everyday human life, you ignore it. It's all there. Your history, your true history about who you are, about the amazing being that you are, without this monster murderer of doubt lingering over you, casting its shadow, your true history is in your heart, not in the data. I can be said individually, but it can also be said for humanity. It can always be said for, for your country, whatever it is, whatever history is involved. It's really not in the data. For you individually, it's in your heart and you already know it. But you've doubted it so heavily. You've shut the door on it and we're going to open those doors. We're going to open those doors going beyond beyond time itself. Uh, it's going to be so important. It is important right now in what we're doing and going to be important going forward. But what it's going to take here is a real level of trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying the words, but a real level. Let's back up for a moment, though. And next chapter, uh, breaking out. Number four, breaking out? Would be number four, breaking out. What do I mean by breaking out? Well, People live in boxes. I mean, literally, they live in boxes, but figuratively, they live in boxes. The boxes have a certain amount of comfort to them. The walls are defined. 
uh, the, the ceiling, the height is defined, all the parameters in the box are defined, and there is a tremendous level of comfort, even though people will complain about it all day long, uh, complain about their lives. But I ask the question, if you don't like it, why don't you change it? If you don't like it, why don't you do something different? I also say to Shambra, and I've been criticized for it, but then also equally loved for it, if there's something in your life you don't like, it's because you still are getting something from it. You're still deriving a pleasure, uh, an experience, a new understanding, or something out of it, even if it's just some suffering uh, that you think you deserve. So people live in the boxes. They live in their, their, their uh, limited perception of the history of themselves and the planet. They complain about the walls. They complain about their lives, but yet they keep doing the same thing every day. It makes no sense whatsoever, because they blame it on everything else. They blame it on parents or the culture or society. They blame it on not being understood. They blame it on being a minority. They blame it on being a majority. They blame it on being male. They blame it on being female. Whatever it happens to be, the blame du jour, and that keeps them in the box. How many really stop for a moment to say, how do I go beyond the limitations I'm so tired of? How do I venture beyond? And then they just think about it. They maybe daydream about it. And then uh, when they break out of the daydream, then they continue to blame someone or something else. Or if it's not blame, it's at least a kind of a, an excuse. I can't do this till my kids graduate from college. I can't like go beyond. I, uh, they need me. Uh, I can't go beyond until I get a divorce because uh, my my spouse uh, wouldn't understand. My spouse would uh, uh, tell the attorneys and the courts about my weird behavior. There's all these excuses. Uh, I can't do it right now because I'm looking for a different job. I mean, I, I've heard them all. I, I do want to write the book of excuses. Uh, a billion human excuses for not being who you really are. I've heard them all, all these excuses, and none of them are actually valid. None. Other than, I chose to come here in this lifetime. That's the only excuse. I was stupid enough to come here, or wise enough, depending on how you look at it. Other than that, people live within the boxes. And uh, let's go to Chambra. Shambra still has the boxes. They've expanded their box a little bit. They made it a little bit bigger, a little bit more consciousness uh, in their little bit bigger box. But it's still a box. And I'm talking about all of you, but a big part of you. You talk about going outside. You talk about breaking out. You think you're a rebel. When in fact, you're not really. You're not really. You, you kind of dress like a rebel. You talk like a rebel. But a rebel in a box is still being in a box. Yeah. So don't, don't pride yourself so much on all your rebellious uh, activities until you get out of the box. Then we can talk about it. Then you can not only dress like a rebel, but I'll give you a badge. 
a pirate badge as you get out of the box. I don't mean to be uh, condescending at all, but I mean to kick you in the ass. That's not bad. No, no. And that's why, actually, if I did uh, like uh, ass kicking, like uh, like you an mean ass- physical ass kicking. Yeah, yeah. If if we had like an ass kicking day here at the Crimson Circle Connection Center, uh, and if, if for hundred dollars uh, U.S., you get your ass kicked by me, uh, and and for one hundred and fifty, it would be a little harder ass kick, and for two hundred fifty dollars, uh, be an ass kick and a slap in the face. As strange as it sounds, we'd have a line of people out the door, down the street, around the block, uh, maybe all the way down to the highway here. Uh, but that's what we're here for, ass-kicking. I mean, that's the kind of the core of Crimson Circle, and it's ass-kicking, right? Well, don't you want your ass kicked once in a while? No. Not right now, in front of everybody? No. You represent the audience? Not today. Not today, see. Okay. No, I, I think, uh, actually, that's a great idea. Maybe sometime... This summer, yet we'll have an ass-kicking day uh, when you know more people are available to come. Well, we have some sort of injury disclosure thing that that they have to sign to say that. See, there you go, uh, blaming on somebody else, and we have to have disclosures and lawyers and everything else, and yeah, uh, yeah. If and you, disclaimers if you, if you want. But okay. uh, actually, all they have to sign is an agreement. I want an ass-kicking from Adamus, and I'm willing to pay for it, and then sign the name. That's complete uh, disclosure and agreement. It's uh, it's good uh, contract law. Interesting. Yeah, I choose to have my ass kicked by Adamus, and then you get a little badge afterwards. I mean, a, um, like a badge of pride. I got my ass kicked by Adamus, and you get for an extra hundred dollars, you get your photo taken during the ass kicking. I think it's a great idea. What are you drinking? I don't carry made it. It tastes very unusual, kind of earthy kind of, um, has a kind of a um, in, in pungent smell to, I, I don't know what it is. Mary Jane or something? <laughs> anyway, back to, the, back to the point. Breaking out of the box. Where we're going, we have to break out. We can't just think about breaking out or making a little bit bigger box. The difficulty of breaking out is that the doubt will stop you. Uh, it, it, will, it will say, you're going to go crazy. It's going to say, what are other people going to say? It's going to say, you're going to get lost in some sort of um, kind of a metaphysical hell. Uh, all these thoughts come up. And, and what if you do break out and you can never come back? Uh, what if you break out and nothing's there? What if you break out and now you're going to be uh, e- even less a part of life than ever before? So you come up with this whole myriad of your, your breakout doubts. But, my dear friends, I have to say, uh, with a level of impatience, we have to break out now. We have to break out. It means absolute trust in yourself. Not in me, not in uh, anybody else, but absolute trust in yourself. And you've been coming down to this moment for a long time, and you've been avoiding this moment for a long time. Oh, and you ask, what are we going to break out of? Well, time. Sounds pretty good, but uh, when you're right in the verge, you're, you're right at that point of stepping over the cliff uh, of, of time, then it's a little bit frightening. It's like you know, you're, going, uh, you're going to go parachuting. You, you know, hop in the airplane, you put on the, the parachute, and it all sounded like a really good idea back when you were drinking with your buddies one night at a bar, and suddenly you're on the airplane and it's taking off, and you're like in one of those oh crap moments. And now 
you're at altitude, it's time to jump out, and you look around and everybody's looking at you like, hey, what are you, a chicken or something? And uh, this fear comes over, but you know you have to do it. I mean, you don't have to, but you know you better do it. And that's that crossing the line. It's kind of the same with going out of time. Mm. Breaking out is also breaking out of the box of the mind. Now, truth be known, the mind doesn't really care one way or the other, in a way. It will hold you in uh, to the box as long as you want to be in the box. And then it will play the game with you. It will play doubt. It will play limitation. It's, it's, a, it's a machine that's serving you. When it knows that you're real, and not just whining and complaining, and not just uh, imagining and daydreaming, but you're really ready to go out of the box, it will cooperate with you. It's been a tool that's kept you in the box because you've wanted to stay in it. It's been a tool, it's almost become a nemesis in a way, because it's, uh, it's held you and there's a gravitational force. And it uses elements like doubt and fear and survival and everything else. But when the mind knows that you're really, really ready to break out of it, to go into knowingness, to go into the other realms, to go beyond, to go whatever you want to call it, multidimensional, to, to go into your real true self, the mind will cooperate. But not a moment before. Don't expect it to start handing things over. Only when you're at that moment of going out of the airplane, uh, stepping out, will it do its switch and allow you to go. Until then, until that very moment you take that final step, the mind will try to protect you and try to keep you in. Going beyond the box, probably the scariest part of it is, are you going to go crazy? Define crazy. To me, crazy is staying in the box knowing that you're in a box, knowing that you can step out any time, but knowing that you're so comfortable with it and you're in this great big game, uh, including the, the doubt game, and that you stay in it. So what I'm saying is that it's time we go beyond and really do it, you know, beyond the time, beyond the limitations of the mind, beyond the limitations of physical reality, because they're really not actually, it's not real. It's part of the game. It's time that we break out and not wait for somebody else to do it first. That's another big excuse that many of you had. Well, I'll wait till another Schomburg doesn't see if they still exist afterwards. It's now, Schomburg, it's now. You don't have to effort it, you just allow it. You don't have to do any specific um, exercises or uh, chanting or anything like that. We just allow it, and it's going to feel strange. It's going to feel very, very strange at first. But after you walk through that initial uh, sensation of strange, then you're overwhelmed, overcome by how natural it actually feels. You kind of go through this initial corridor where everything is just odd, uh, disrupted, uh, distorted, chaotic. It's like uh, walking through some sort of interdimensional chaos. And what do you do during that chaos? You take a deep breath. You don't fight it. You allow it. And after that, that corridor of chaos, then suddenly 
you have an overwhelming feeling of naturalness. A few of you are asking right now, is this similar to the death process? The death process is kind of similar to this, but in this one you don't die. In the death process you do. That death process is the same way. Upon letting go of the physical reality and going back to your natural state, there is kind of this corridor of confusion. And then it's compounded by the thing that we call the near-earth realms. But then you go beyond that uh, in the death process and kind of begin somewhat remembering your natural state. As we go into our breakout mode, breaking out of linear, local, mental reality, it's an odd feeling and then suddenly an overwhelming feeling of natural, coming back to the natural state. Then you kind of look back onto where you just came from and say, that was weird. That was really, really weird. You'll be able to go back into the weird state anytime you want, and that's what I'd like to call it for, henceforth, just the weird state of being human and mental and linear. You can go back into weirdness anytime you want, or you can be in your, in your natural state, or you can be in both at once. It is phenomenally amazing right now. I, I don't know if it's, if, if it's being lost on some of you, but it is amazing what is happening right now on the planet. I, I don't want to give too much away here because I'm going to talk about it in our upcoming Pronost mm. update. We talk about the ability to live in weirdness, this uh, human condition, and the ability to be in, back in your natural state, who you really are. And to be able to be in it uh, simultaneously, both at once. It's not either or. You can do it both at once, or either or. Now, what's happening in physics on the planet, and uh, particularly quantum computing? As a result of what you're doing, literally, and I'm not, I'm not uh, generalizing here. I mean, literally, as a result of what you're doing, what we're doing here, in the and, now in physics is becoming the and. They're finding out in uh, quantum computing that you can. Uh, I'm not terribly familiar with computing. I'm looking at the energy and trying to communicate in words. But they're finding out that it's not just zero and one anymore. In quantum computing, you can have both. You can be in the and. It's currently in what they would call a um, very fragile state, uh, but they're learning to work with it, being zero one and at the same time. You can be zero, one, or you can be and. All it's doing is following consciousness, and it's really developing a whole new thing called quantum computing, which is going to be hundreds if not thousands, maybe even tens of thousands or millions of times more efficient than current computing and much more secure. We just have to come out with a few different ways now to handle the transmission of the communication. My dear friends, look at it for a moment, the parallel of what we're doing and then what shows up. It used to be, it used to be it would show up 10, 20, 30 years later. Now what we're doing is showing up a year later, maybe two years later, but the time frame is very condensed right now. You're going into the and. We're breaking out, but we can still be in the weird state. 
of, of human, the human condition. Let's take a deep breath in this. It's not something we're aspiring to go into or we're you know, uh, saying, we'll be there in a year. You're going through it right now. I'm just reporting on what you're going through. Next item on our list. I believe this puts us at five. Yes, sir. Ultimately, what uh, is the opposite of doubt? You know doubt well. That's a, it's a it's a close friend. Uh, it's a friend that keeps coming to borrow money and time and energy and everything else and never pays it back. Or the opposite of that. It's a word I'm going to spell it out, Linda. Okay. It's T. R E S O R T, tresort. And there's a little dash above the E, tresort. We've talked about a similar term in Quixote, tresor, without the T. Tresor is the French word for treasure. And tresort is a variation of tresor, but tresort with a T simply means no doubt, no doubt. Hmm. It means finding the true treasure of trusting yourself once and for all, unconditional. In the unconditional trust of yourself and returning back to your natural state, there are treasures beyond what the human mind could possibly fathom right now. When I say treasures, I'm not talking about gold and silver and rubies and diamonds, but those are nice. I'm talking about the treasures of yourself. Coming back to your natural state of being while still being in the body, on the physical level. Tresort. When you encounter doubt as, we, as you go beyond the box, and I, again, we're not building bigger boxes. We're, we're done with that. We are blowing through, going out of the box. And you approach that, that critical point, uh, like stepping out of the airplane, the critical point of uh, coming to the edge of the cliff. A critical point of where you feel the anxiety within you, and you have to take a deep breath, and you feel doubt trying to pull you back, trying to say, "Don't do it. Don't go out of the box. The box is pretty nice. Yeah, maybe we'll clean the box. You know, maybe we'll buy a few more things to, you know, embellish the box, make it a little nicer. Maybe paint the box, but don't go. Don't go because all these terrible things could happen to you. That's the moment you take a deep breath, and you feel into. The communication, the energy of what is already within you, tresort. It's the treasure of trusting yourself, not playing the mind games of imagining what are other people going to say, not wondering if you're going to go out of existence or any of, any of that. Tresort is your, is your scepter. Tresort is the treasure that is within you. It is. It comes through trust. You encounter these doubts that you have about where you're going next in this journey, beyond time, beyond linear uh, mental data, beyond the way your history is currently defined. We go beyond back into your natural state. Let's tresort. Feel into that for a minute. Tresor comes from the uh, it's the French word for treasure. Tresort is the treasure of trusting yourself. 
you're going to need it. You're going to want it. You're going to come to those moments here in your life where you know it's a defining moment. You know that you're coming to a point of going beyond the box. The box will still be there if you choose to play in it. But now it's about going beyond that box. And you'll have these encounters. You'll have these uh, experiences in your life. Whether to be consumed, whether to be murdered and raped by doubt itself, or simply to trust, to tresort, to come to the treasure of yourself by trusting in yourself. And then, if you can just feel that for a moment, the tresort, all the trust that you have. Not a, it's not even a mental thing at this point. It's just it's not located anywhere. It's a it's an inherent, it's an innate trust. It's a I'm gonna call it a righteousness within yourself, because you know it's right. You come to this point of tresort, and all the treasures are there. And it just blows the box wide open. And you're out. It feels a little strange at first, but you're out at last. You're no longer defined by time, nor your history, nor your physical body. And this, too, is where we can then really start working with the free energy body. You know, Schomburg keeps asking, when are we going to do a free energy body? When you get out of the box. Because otherwise, you are playing a game with yourself. You're pretending, you're denying your physical body, you're playing a game from within the box, and, and ultimately it all falls apart. But as we go beyond, with tresort, with the absolute trust in yourself, not, not anybody else trusting in, in you, not even me, but absolute trust in yourself, then you behold all the treasures. Let's take a good deep breath with that into tresort. It is, it is the trust in yourself. It's, you know, it doesn't have to come from the mind. You don't have to make up these little games. I trust myself. I trust myself. It just is. You just trust yourself. You don't need a lot of verbiage. You don't need a lot of little cliches. You don't need any feel-good statements. You don't need any of those uh, posters that some of you still have up in your walls. Uh, the optimism posters. Tear them down. Tresort. It's within you. It's not on a poster on the wall or a bumper sticker. Trusting yourself. Oh, oh, you know what that's like. You have kind of this inspiration, a knowingness, to do something, to go somewhere, to, to whatever it is. Then, then, then that doubt, that murder comes in, that thief comes in and steals it from you. That's when you hold on to that scepter and feel into tresort. Not just the word, but it is an energy communication that's constantly being, you could say, uh, radiated, emanated from your soul. Tresort. And now you have your past coming in, your future coming in, your soul coming in, all into the now. And they support everything that's going on. There's only one little bug in the box, 
And that's the doubt. But you become so overtaken by the bug, just a tiny little bug. That's when you hold on to the scepter, trace art. Feel it for a moment here. Feel it. And our next item on the list, our next chapter, something that has to be addressed. So go through all these things, and I know it's been it's been exhilarating and difficult at the same time. Well, there's one more thing that happens right about now, and some of you have been truly experiencing this lately. It's a difficult one. It's loneliness. Mm. Loneliness. It's part of the breaking out process. It's part of the going beyond. And you think you've known loneliness in the past, and suddenly loneliness is felt in, in a whole new way. It's a beckoning. It's, a, it's almost a gravitational pull from, you could say, mass consciousness, from some of your aspects from the past. There's loneliness when you are releasing your family, your ancestors. There's a, a loneliness when you're releasing mass consciousness. And some of you have talked, and I certainly can agree with you in many ways, saying, I just want to be alone. There's a difference being alone and then feeling a tremendous loneliness. At the core, what's happening is that human self that you've identified with, a human self that was the only thing you really actually knew about yourself, even that's transforming, appears to be going away. It actually doesn't. It's simply, it's simply evolving. And suddenly there is such a loneliness. It's not even not having family and the friends, not feeling part of mass consciousness, and suddenly even your own human self seems to be going away. An overwhelming sense of loneliness. This is, uh, this is simply part of the whole process that's going on. Don't, don't get too upset about it. it. It will pass. It's a transition from where you were, who you were, into what you now become. This sense that you're totally lonely. Uh, and then along with it, a longing. A longing. Maybe, maybe you should try to go back to the family and friends, back to an ex. Uh, no, you're shaking your head no to that. Uh, back to whatever it was. The comfort of, of uh, your, what you call your, your social units, your family units. You know, it wasn't like you left, uh, for most of you, not that you left out of spite or anger. You just knew it was time to leave. You knew you had to break a lot of old patterns and chains, not only for you, but for them. It wasn't like you left to, uh, because you, were, you hated them. You had a knowingness that you had to, had to go for something on your own. You had to get away from the rest of the herd in order to find what you were really trying to find. You had to get away from all the rest of them, because there was too much noise and confusion and judgment, and there was too much box. And you did, but you didn't know it at the time, but the beauty of what you were doing, and what you are doing right now, 
is you're freeing yourself, but ultimately you're freeing them as well. They don't really understand or know it right now, but ultimately you're breaking the chains, a few links here and a few links there, but pretty soon it's like the domino effect. All the chains start all the links in the chain start breaking. First in your ancestry, next in your own past life lineage, and then it goes into mass consciousness. And those who are ready to be free, truly free, simply step out of the shackles. But back to the point, loneliness, yes, there are days that can feel very, very lonely. And when you go beyond the box, you think you're the only one out there. You'll find out that's not true, but initially you think you're the only one out there. And you think perhaps you're lost in some lonely, lonely reality where it's only you. But even the you that you used to know, the human you, isn't even there. And while at one point you would have thought this would bring such a sense of delight and satisfaction, you're in your own space, you're in your own sovereignty. I think this would be a reason for celebration, suddenly the deep loneliness. This too shall pass. It's just part of the whole process of truly coming into your sovereignty. Then you realize you're never, ever alone. You realize the beauty of all your aspects that are now facets, all your past lives and all your future potentials and all the other soul beings, but on a whole new level. Let's take a deep breath with all this. When loneliness comes, when this loneliness comes, I ask you to be in it, to experience it, not to fight it, not to try to find your way out, but immerse yourself in the loneliness, because there are treasures within it. Let's take a good deep breath and bring this all to a Marab. Marab. Seven oh, Marab. But that's not a chapter. Let's put on the music. Take a good deep breath. We've been through quite a bit today. But it doesn't really seem like that long, does it? We've been through a lot in our discussions, but maybe it only feels like a few minutes. Oh, some of you are saying it feels like days, but so much going on right now. The pace is so, so fast. Unbelievably fast. Crazy at times. We're having more discussions, gatherings, and what you call your dream states than, than ever before. And sometimes there would be months that would go by before you would come up to one of the dream state gatherings. It's just on a different level, a different uh, kind of a dimension, reality, landscape. You go months at times without dropping by to visit, but been getting pretty busy lately. It's going so fast. We had a big gathering the other night. There were literally 
about 8,000 chamra there at this gathering. Now, it doesn't take up any space, so you don't have to worry. And we're in a COVID-free dimension, so no fast face masks were required. We all gathered just, just to be. There wasn't a long list of speakers or lecturers. It was just time to be together, to realize that you're not alone in this. A time for fraternity, for just realizing, remembering why you're here. You know, in these gatherings, there's not long lectures. I, I talk once in a while. Kathumi was there. He told a few jokes. He's kind of my warm act. He doesn't like when I say that. We talked about the very things that we talked about today, because it was there that we said, here's what we need to talk about. Here are the seven chapters, the seven points that the human needs to hear. Here are the things that need to come through the energies. So you distilled all this. I distilled it even further, brought it from what, 50 some odd points down to seven. But when you feel into what's really being communicated, there are thousands and thousands of levels. Seven spoken points. Thousands of energy levels. And the culmination of this gathering, so many Shamba there. The culmination was that this is the way. A lot have dropped out along the way. The, the the group consensus was that it's been a tough journey in many, many ways, but this is exactly what we came here before. It was kind of a, a point of separation at this gathering. To go ahead into the next phase of what we do, or just to kind of like hold back on the throttle, just kind of let everything catch up, absorb things. The shouts would maybe just be kind of reiterations of what's already been said, nothing really new, just kind of more opportunity to let it soak in or, or to go for it. Over almost over 8,000 Shambra there in this Dream State gathering. There was actually only six that didn't want to go forward faster. And, and it probably wasn't any of you who are watching here right now. Everyone else said, yes, this is the way. This is what we came here for. And while it's very difficult at times carrying all this within you, going through all these changes so quickly, it's also your passion. So you said, Adamas, talk to us about what we've talked about here today in this Dream State gathering. 
summarize it. And as you're summarizing, as Calder is channeling, we're going to be flowing our energies right back through from dream state into this day here in June at the June 2020 or 2021 2021 shout we're going to be flowing our energies right back through you say the spoken words Adamus we're going to be flowing 8000 strong this is the way that's why we came here we're not going to we're not going to hold back now we're not going to throttle down That's what we've done here today. The energies in this shout will continue to live on for a long, long time to come. And it doesn't just stop here. The energies keep growing, keep opening. As in every other shout, every other thing we've done together. You can almost feel into this whole library of what we've done together over the years, and even when you were with Tobias, all the what you call the content. And they're all right now living, vibrant, and growing. They're in this library. It's kind of like an incubator. And they just keep growing and growing. So you said in our dream state gathering, 8,000 strong. No, we're not going to hold back. This is the way. And I could feel a certain level of anxiousness, trepidation, doubt. I could feel that. And I know you felt it here in about the last few days. That's when I said, you know, no matter what happens, I know it's going to come out even better than what you could have ever imagined. Whatever we encounter, whatever we experience, just remember that all is well in all of your creation. With that, I am Adamus, coming from our Dream State gathering just a few nights ago. Thank you. Stay with it. Just feel it. Breathe into the magnificence of this message. It's here for each of us. Take the good deep breath. Really allowing yourself to be with these incredible points from all of us to all of us. Take the good deep breath, the good deep breath, and truly take time for you to really be in integration with this amazing message. Again, so much here for each of us. Take that good deep breath 
as we close out the Shout Nine, and we'll be back again. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.